Hi, we're Phil and Jen, and welcome. This is the fourth season of our podcast. It's called This New Space, and this is the 13th episode, and it's called The Decolonizing Christian, and it is with our new friend Blake. And notice that Blake does not have a last name because we do not know his last name because he preferred for us not to know. I'll get to that in a minute. Blake is a Canadian pastor that is on his way out of pastoring who runs the Decolonizing Christian Instagram page. And the way that he describes that page is a settler Canadian on a journey towards decolonizing, period. Dismantling toxic Christianity, period. And he says guest on, I'm going to botch the pronunciation of this, but Stolo Coast Salish Territory, period. He started this account on Instagram and has gotten a huge response and following. Blake has asked us specifically not to share his last name or a photo and to make this episode about the way in which he's raising up the reality and the movement of decolonization of Christianity in North America and the centering of marginalized voices rather than him. And he says that it's not about him or about his original content, but rather it's about centering the content and the voices of those in the margins. And I wasn't even sure he'd turn his video feed on, but he did. And it was a fascinating conversation. And it's definitely one worth listening to. I really like this guy. He's a new friend. I'm excited to share his story and his work with you. Before we do, a couple things. We've had a couple of meetups. We just had our last one last weekend. Gosh, if you're hearing this, it's probably two weekends ago. And it was such a sacred space. It was like the first one. It was just a really sacred space of people gathering to process their own expanding faith and spirituality and lives. And uh, that over tacos and margaritas, it was just a magical night. And um, in the course of that conversation, we decided we're doing another one. So we have our third meetup this summer. It's going to be August 20th. So that is in two Saturdays from the release of this podcast. It's in Costa Mesa. And if you'd like to join us, you can go to philandjenwood.com and you can just let us know that you're coming. And coming up on August 30th, we are offering something just for ladies this time. And if you remember our friend from season four, episode seven, Chrissy Powers, she and I have been talking a lot and we have kind of continued the conversation of what does it look like to listen to our bodies? What does it look like to integrate our whole selves and um, reconnect with the beat of our lives? And so we thought, hey, what if we offer a workshop just for women where we are getting in touch with listening to our bodies and integrating all of these things, listening to the spirit integrating our minds, the whole thing. And so we came up with this idea to do a women's breathwork and nonlinear movement and sauna ice bath workshop. I'm really excited about it. So it's seven to nine, it's August 30th, it's $25 and it's in Costa Mesa and it'll be led by me and Chrissy. And I'm just really excited to see what happens. So love to invite you to that. If you are interested, you can register at philandjenwood.com backslash expansion lab and get all the info there. I love that because Chrissy went on her journey of becoming an embodiment coach and getting certified in that non-linear movement. Mm. And then we've kind of gone our way of this integrative mind, body, spirit journey and getting certified in like breath work and heat and ice. And I love the idea of 
combining those things all together and then doing it specifically for women, which is a big passion for both of you guys. It's just, it's really exciting to me, even though I will not get to participate. I think it's a different experience for women. I mean, having done some workshops so far, even just the things like when we're talking about the breath work and it's just, it's a different experience for women because of some of the conditioning that we have as women in our society. Absolutely. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, me too. Well, you can check that out at the website. In the meantime, on to our conversation with Blake from The Decolonizing Christian. Oh, nice to meet you. So yeah. nice to meet you. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. And um, I don't know how we bumped into your work, but I just started seeing stuff. I think other people were sharing things that you had been posting. And then I'm like, this stuff is awesome. So just... Really um, grateful for the work that you're doing. Can you, um, before we do that, can you share us just like share with our listeners just a little bit about you're in Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just a bit about myself. A little uh, bit about yourself I, and then yeah. um, kind of why, how'd you get into this work? Yeah. Oh boy. That's a, that's a, a lot. Um Yeah. Yeah, just it's it's been a journey. It's been quite the journey. I'm I'm someone who uh, grew up in a very strong fundamentalist Christian home. Um, love my parents dearly. My siblings uh, homeschooled. Um, you know, go to church every Sunday. That's what we do. Uh, learn the Bible, memorize the Bible, all the things, and um, eventually went to Christian school for high school and kind of felt the call. I wasn't really sure. I wouldn't call it the call, but um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And so I kind of started off like I went to business school for a year, went to university for a year and got kind of roped into some campus ministry stuff. Um, and then eventually found my way to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And since then had really devoted my life to kind of thinking, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pastor. That's what I'm going to do. And so really that's been my journey for the last, you know, since I went to Bible college in 2011, that's been where I've kind of been headed. Um, And I've devoted kind of my life to studying scripture and uh, theology. And um, I'm, I'm in a church right now, like I'm plugged in at a church as a pastor and not in a lead role, just a supporting role. Um, and uh, and we'll be finding my way moving. I'm, I'm moving out of, of that particular space. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting place to be as my faith has evolved. And as I've learned more about, in, in particular in Canada, it's uh, learning about uh, our very complex uh, history as an institutional church with indigenous peoples here, mm-hmm. as it pertains to the harm and the violence that was enacted upon indigenous peoples with residential schools. Mm-hmm. And this is recent history too. It's not, um, it's, it's not like something of the far distant past. The last residential school closed in 1996 in Canada. So this is within my lifetime. Wow. Um, wow. And most of our, many of our lifetimes. And uh, this was an institution that was essentially designed and run by the church and, and sponsored by the government to essentially uh, 
try to colonize indigenous people, like in, indigenous children. They were ripped from their homes, brought to these schools, and they were tried, basically they tried to turn them into white people, like de-indigenize them was mm-hmm. the whole purpose, to Christianize them essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that complex history and just wrestling and grappling with that and then being in a church and coming to terms with a lot of that, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a complex journey. And so I'm, I'm now finding myself leaving the institutional church on my way out. Um, but and I, And you're still uh, in a role right now. Yeah, I'm still in a role right now, but I'm how, I'm how are you balancing that? Yeah, that that's a <laughs> good question. I mean, it's it's um, you know, I the way I see it is, and I've chatted with a lot of people about this. You know, uh, it's 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 first of all just very difficult. It's challenging, but mm. um, I, I'm balancing it in the sense of just recognizing like. Uh, first of all, there's a lot of a lot of my coworkers, a lot of people in the church are very supportive of what I do, and mm. I'm so grateful to. Even if they don't agree with everything, I certainly don't agree with everything I say or do and what I'm on my page. But sure. um, just the amount of conversations I've been able to have with coworkers, with uh, people, um, just been I, I I feel like it's it's um there's been more good than harm that's uh, come of me staying in in the sense of. Uh, I realize that I've I've been able to have a good impact on coworkers and um, be able to be able to be a role um, sometimes a sometimes a role that is not going with the status quo in the church for sure. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, just being able to and, and and even our our leaving my leaving is coinciding with us moving. It's not like we're okay. you know you know we're not like flipping the bird to the church or something and leaving that way. We want to I want to leave well and I want to leave. Um, in a way that is uh, respectful of my coworkers and of and of the people I work with, and, um, and yet it's it's a new unknown. I think that's where I'm sitting right now. I'm in this position of like, what's next? Like, mm. you know, I've devoted my life to this work, right? To being in the church, to being a pastor. You know, this is what I've envisioned. And now what? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, there's a, there's a lot of yeah. us, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, um, for sure. When we stepped out of our role leading a church um, Mm -hmm. that we actually founded and led for 13 years, a year and a half ago, we stepped out and been navigating the next in this and the unknown (laughs) in this interesting new spiritual landscape and space that we're all in right now. And so, yeah. And I think in America, there's I've heard as few as 30 percent, but from some friends who are seminary. professors who also work with like change adaptation in lots of different denominations across America, they said they've seen as many as like 40% of um, pastors who are either seriously considering stepping out or have already stepped out of their roles. And so there's, wow. I think some are just tired, but I think a lot of people are like, this conversation's going. How do we mm-hmm. keep going and step into this new space out here? And what does that even look like? Yeah, yeah it's like a big it's like I get that vision of like Peter stepping off the boat (laughs) to Mm -hmm. walk on water you know like that kind of like the the chaos of that and like just the unknown and the fear of that and it's 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 a real thing and I think there's so many people in ministry who've you know they're they're they realize like where where they've come theologically with just the what's been going on in the world just uh I mean they've been like you're in America, and I know Trump was a huge catalyst for a lot of disorientation for Christians in 
and pastors and people in ministry. And they're like, what? Like, and I think anytime these kind of things happen, I think it's, um, yeah, I think we're, we're just, we're seeing that kind of uh, fear of like, Oh, you know what, what happens when, you know, I give up everything that I've put my life towards up to this point. Like, have I done, have I wasted all these years? Have Mm. I, um, you know, have I done all this for nothing or, or, you know, what, what's next. Right. And, um, (coughs) and I think even in a lot of ways, that's one of the reasons I did start my page. You know, it's, it's to create conversations, not just about the important things that like that are happening that, that we need to address like social issues or uh, political things, all that, that's all very important, but it's also to, I think the big heart of my, what I do on my page is to reimagine collectively reimagine what can the future of the church look like? Yeah. What can the future yeah. of not even Christianity, but just what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this day and age? Yeah. And what can that look like in our, in our world? Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, in our context, in a context that the Christianity of the land is a colonizing Christianity. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That reimagining word is a word that I think kept coming up from, for us when we first were, like we said, like imagining, reimagining what could this thing be moving forward? And it's, yeah, it's been fun to dream and try things. And it is going to be interesting Mm. to see what happens with the form of it all as we move forward. And as people are asking so many questions and feel disillusioned and, and yet I, I mean, we talk to so many people who are still so, you know, solid about like, I'm holding on to Christ, but I don't know about all this other stuff. You know, what does this mean? Um, And then, you know, so many things like, what does it mean for what I believe to line up with how I'm living? And Mm -hmm. anyway, it's just, we've been having a lot of really um, actually hopeful conversations with people about this stuff, you know? And even for you Mm -hmm. just to, I don't know, like, I want to like put pause on this right now and just encourage you because... I, I remember asking some of the questions that you're asking when we first stepped out and I already feel like mm-hmm. it's differently about it, you know, just mm-hmm. that kind of, you're in that free fall space in a sense almost. And it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. And there's a real like death in it. Mm-hmm. And then if you really lean into it, there's this whole other world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel and like yeah, we're, isn't, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even you saying that, I mean, isn't that like the whole arc of new creation yeah. too? Exactly. There has to be a death for rebirth to come, right? Like yeah. this Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hmm. So, so you, uh, that's what, yeah. Oh no, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say, that's what gives me a lot of hope. I think right now and in this season is like looking ahead. It's like knowing that this might be hard and this might be disorienting, but new birth is coming or new life, new reimagine or new imagination, new creativity, whatever that looks like is on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You named your page, the decolonizing Christian. Mm-hmm. I like it. What do you, how do you define that? What do you mean by that? That's good. Um, 
Well, first of all, I, I started the page actually um, with the name "the decolonized Christian," like as in the, you know, as if I've I am somehow decolonized. Right. Like you've arrived. Quickly realized. <laughs> quickly realized that that's definitely not mm-hmm. like that's not the heart of what I'm doing. Yeah. It's the decolonizing Christian. It, it's it, it implies a, a process. It implies um, a journey, and it implies a community. Mm-hmm. And I think those are like the that that is really the heart of my page it's recognizing you know um the landscape of christianity in the west is really founded on the doctrine of discovery which is this idea that um well it's it was essentially a a, uh, endorsed by the pope and enacted by many kings of europe Mm -hmm. to discover lands for god Right. right and of course, those lands were not not discovered. Yeah, not discovered. They were inhabited. There was there was nations and cultures and um, kingdoms. Pe- people here, like thriving here, and not just thriving here. Looking after the land, I think that's the mm. really. It all comes back to the yeah. land. Um, it's it was there was a reciprocity with the land that indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. Um, and other parts of the world. Uh, there's other other places where many indigenous peoples were colonized throughout the West and uh, yeah, just all over the place. And there was a real um, sense that if you took care of the land, the land would care for you and provide for you. And so there was no sense of ownership of land. It was, the land was to be shared and stewarded and not um dominated i mm. suppose that's the the word the phrasing and so when european settlers came here they were seeking their own land for themselves right and that uh, of course you know it was a europe had a very different system of right. <laughs> how people related to the land compared to indigenous people so when um you know, there was a whole bunch of other terrible things that happened, but, you know, when, when um, Europeans settled here in Turtle Island, indigenous communities would be like, yeah, here's, here's your land, but not realizing that these European settlers would then like put up their fences and like, you know, no trespassing kind of thing, right, right. on the land and somehow that became theirs. And that was just like unthinkable right. in, in this in this place right at the time and so um when it comes to christianity it became it, it was it was very much rooted in this possessive idea of land resources and then um yeah and then just domination right and so when i think what it looks like to decolonize from christianity we're talking about decolonizing from these kind of systems that um really created this individualistic um materialistic kind of idea of uh a a lot of words i'm trying not to use but i I guess the (laughs) i guess the big word would be blessing i suppose you know Mm -hmm. like this idea of you know i'm going to be look how god is blessing me because of how much stuff i have or how much like material possessions or things like that right and it's that whole framework i think that has these roots that go back 
you know, centuries to 1592, I believe it was when the doctrine of discovery was officially established. Yeah. So, yeah, those are, I think when that's, I think the very heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and of course we've developed a, a lot of big theologies have come ever like since that time. I mean, Calvinism eventually ran rampant throughout Europe and, and, and became very popularized over here. And uh, just a lot of theologies that were individualistic, not a universalist, like kind of picture. And by universalist, I mean something that was applicable to everyone. Right. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't good news for everyone. It was good news. If you had pale skin and you were, a male, <laughs> you know, um, and you had land that it was good news for you, but it was not if you didn't, f- if you didn't fulfill that criteria. So um, it's decolonizing Christianity now is, I think, recognizing a lot of these toxic theological uh, belief systems mm. and, and recognizing that, well, for one, Jesus wasn't white. Jesus was also a colonized brown skinned uh jewish man who who lived under an empire mm. who lived under the real threat of you know if you step out of line with the empire you could die mm. and you know he he wasn't about dominance at all and and somehow this colonial christianity married itself to empire and became a, a belief system of dominance the same kind of belief system that put jesus on the cross yeah. So yeah. that is the that is kind of the heart of what a decolonized Christianity I, I I think looks like. It's it's walking together in community and realizing you know it's it's um it's in a lot of ways it's enacting what I believe is the very heart of the gospel message of Jesus, which was um, liberating the oppressed and seeing a world where the last will be first and the first will be last. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think? How do you see that, I mean, being played out today, the colonization, like, can you give some examples? Yeah, I I think for the way, the big way it's played out, I mean, it's so easy to pick on the evangelical church for this, but I think the biggest way, one of the biggest ways it's picked out is just, or that it's uh, one of the biggest examples is through just theologies of trying to control people. I, I look at the purity culture in the church, like this idea of like, you know, trying to control young people sexually or, um, I just, these notions of just like scaring people into submission, just like those are all to me examples. I mean, and they might be small examples that I'm using, but the harm that's been done, the, so many people have been hurt by these Systems, And then we see that very kind of system that's enacted somehow protects very real predators who are at the top of churches, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like leading churches, Mm -hmm. the number of pastors who've had abuse scandals and things in the, in, in, in the past years. And I mean, this is beyond just the evangelical church. Now we're, we could go into all sorts of other denominations. I mean, the Catholic church has had their own. Uh, abuse scandals for years and years um and i think we we've seen kind of the ugly repercussions i guess or the ugly fruit so to speak of what happens when um 
our theology is not actually based in the way of Jesus, which is supposed to be liberating. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's 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 that. it's this yeah, it's this theology that protects the people at the top, the people with the power, and it continues to exploit the people with no power. Absolutely. What do you think of decolonizing Christianity looks like? For because mm. I mean, I know a lot of people who either have talked about this a long time or are just beginning to talk about it, but there's an interesting mm. space between... Yes, I was thinking the same thing. Recognizing... Knowledge. Like there's an unlearning, and then there's a, a relearning and a new learning, and then mm-hmm. there's like in, like a an embodied wisdom that comes, like a, like a lived mm-hmm. wisdom. Like how do people... What move? does this look like? Yeah. That's like, what you mean. But because you've, you've taken these steps to begin creating a community with a decolon- mm. decolonizing... Christian page that you have, like, what do you think it looks like with people stepping into a decolonizing Christianity? Mm, That's a great question. I think that if I'm fully honest, I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out myself. Mm -hmm. I think um, this, this, this territory for me is, is new. It's, uh, you know, we're, (laughs) yeah, I think a lot of us don't really know. We can't see around the corner, so to speak. You know, it's like there's a gray fog ahead of us. Um, And yet I think, um, I I think the things I do know is that it it can't be individualistic. It it has to be done in community. And, and even again, that's another reason why I'm, I'm very quick. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very slow to, I, I, I'm hesitant, I suppose, is the right word, to put my face on top of this, like this, this account and this page, because I, I do not this, I do not see this work as something that's just that's mine. I see this mm-hmm. as a, a collective work, as something, you know, um, our our American Canadian Christianity has done a very good job of promoting white uh theologians white male theologians and saying that's the gospel and we've yeah i I can go into my local bookstore and i have to dig hard to find black indigenous theologians i have Mm -hmm. to really go out of my way to find these authors and to me that's that's so sad and i the the wisdom and the the insight and just the true like the the prophetic witness of the black and indigenous community in regards to the church i think is just so valuable and i think um again with my page i really want people to access these authors and these writers and these thinkers and podcasters and all these things because um they have so much to offer the church and i do not believe we can fully be the church without centering their voices and mm. knowing yeah. what christianity looks like in a context that isn't our own um yeah and so i think um yeah in a very practical sense i think it it, it just means for a lot of us we need to learn to or maybe not learn i think a lot of us need to for some of us yeah we may need to leave our spaces we might need to go and find spaces that are more inclusive, that are actually good news for everyone, mm. um, that center people who aren't typically centered in uh, the majority of our 
uh, our church spaces. And, um, and, and then I, I think even for myself, where I'm currently at is trying to figure out how to create something new, how to reimagine something outside of, you know, the, what we have currently, like, I'm, I'm really trying to understand the church less as an institution and more about a people, right. Right. About people coming together and putting into practice what it means to live as if the last will be first and the first will be last. Mm. And I think, um, and again, I think that that's why I say, I don't know what's around the corner. I don't yeah. know what the future of the church will look like per se. And I think sure. that's also what gives me excitement because I think we now are at a place where we get to imagine yeah. what it could be, yeah. you know, and we, we get to try Absolutely. new things and, and maybe fail and yep. pick ourselves up and try again. <laughs> okay. yeah. When I, yeah. I mean, nobody knows what it is. Anybody that tells you they know what it is. <laughs> the future. I'm concerned yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, I love that I, I Googled you and I couldn't find you. I was like, who is this Blake decolonizing Christian? And I kept looking for your picture because I'm like, who are we going to be talking to? I couldn't find it because you did such a good job keeping yourself from being the face of it that it was kind of a mystery to me when we lit up the Zoom. I'm like, is he going to turn it on? I was excited to see. And um, I, it's I like even, scene. Like even scrolling, totally. scrolling back through your, your page on Instagram was, it's interesting to watch you evolve and adapt and evolve and adapt and then find a voice and then find like mm. a clarity and it it's 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 really fun to see because that's how it works it's like one mm. step at a time and you're taking the next step and everybody is together and it's just it's it's really beautiful yeah. to see you do that even changing from the decolonized to the decolonizing and um mm. it's fun to watch your journey and to see others who are stepping bravely into this new space that we're all in you know mm-hmm. it's really cool and i and thank you. And, and I think you saying that too great, like bravely stepping in, it, it is a, a brave journey for a lot of people. Like, it's not like, it's not an easy thing. It's not, a, you know, people are losing friends over yeah. these things. They're, they, they leave their church and it's not just some easy thing to just walk away. I mean, this is like, you know, some, some people have been born into their churches and have been there their entire life. It's like their family. Yeah. yeah um absolutely it's and I, I think there's yeah and i can see why like these harmful theolo- theological spaces can provide so much comfort for so many people and and, and, and you know I don't, i'm not ready to just be like oh everything is bad everything is harmful oh, and, nice. and i think everyone has to everyone's on their own unique journey and and has to really discern for themselves like what is right but um you know, I think I, I I want to just, I guess, acknowledge the fact that this is not an easy thing for people to go on this journey. And not only are you grieving what you once thought to be gospel truth, but you, a lot of people are now incredibly lonely. Like this is like, so lonely. yeah, yep. you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And the ironic part is they're not alone, as you know, just from, I'm sure from your page and the feedback you've probably received from people, but there's so many people out. I mean, we keep calling it like this, this new space we're in or because we can't name it kind of like you're saying, like it's ambiguous. Mm -hmm. We don't know, but there are so many people in this space of 
kind of unlearning, relearning, what is next, reimagining. I mean, even outside of the church setting, I think so many people are asking these questions about their own lives. What, you know, taking, I mean, the great res, res what do they call it? Resignation. The resignation. And people e. are just making huge career changes and like, what do I actually want from my life? And, you know, I think the mm-hmm. pandemic really sped up a lot of these questions that many of us were asking. It kind of mm-hmm. like accelerated the whole thing. Um, yeah. And I, and, and even for us, like, I know for us, we didn't step out like you kind of said, like, we're not like, you know, F the church or like, you yeah, know, no. you know, it was just like, it was time. It was time. And we, we, want, we, we were excited going. to, to mm-hmm. reimagine, like, what does this thing look like moving forward? And yeah. so I think something new is being born, something new is being birthed, but you're right. I, we don't know what it is yet. And so we're mm-hmm. in this really interesting liminal space. And I feel like we're as a society, it's kind of, I'm so excited too, because it's like this really, we're in such a unique time, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're going to look back in history and this is the time when things are changing and being molded into something new and we get to be a part of that. It's like kind of, to me, this amazing privilege. Yeah. I don't know, but it is scary and it can be so hard and it is so disorienting, especially when you're unpacking and pulling apart everything mm-hmm. that you thought to be, like you said, gospel truth, and your whole life is centered around, well, this is the way, this is the thing, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's concrete, yeah. and you can stand on that, and it feels really good to have it all mm-hmm. in this nice little box. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. to like feel like you have the rug pulled out from under you. It's yeah. for some people, it's a very long way down to the ground before they mm-hmm. recenter and reorientate. You know. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think you're you're nailing that exactly. At least from mm-hmm. our own experiences and the people that that we're connecting with and talking to. And I, I, I do think it's like an individual journey. You were saying there's a very strong individuality, mm-hmm. but I love that you're calling people to a community after the individuality, like mm-hmm. a, a different way of connecting and relating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think even um as I've been thinking so much about colonial Christianity, I think one of the biggest lies we've been fed is that um, Christianity is an individualistic yeah. uh, faith, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like that it's like something that is personal to me, that is like my own personal Jesus relationship or my own personal salvation, my own, um, it's about me, right? It's about my rewards in heaven, that kind yeah. of <laughs> Yeah. Right. That kind of mentality. And I think um, reawakening to this idea that it's, it's not about me. It's about, it's about creating the, the, um, the Jewish writers would use the term Shalom, like Mm -hmm. creating this, this place where heaven meets earth, where the last and the least and the lost are prioritized and cared for and, looked after and it's this realization that when we care for the least among us we are also ensuring the th- the future thriving thriving of ourselves and our our families and our you know i love this idea in indigenous um in indigenous cultures of the the seventh it's called the seventh generation principle it's mm. this idea that every action and every just everything you do whether it's to the earth or to um, you know, economically, whatever, socially, you are thinking how those actions will impact 
up to the seventh generation into the future. Oh, that's, I mean, and can you imagine, like, right? we, like, could you imagine if that's the way our Christianity was was shaped? Like, if we took what we know to be true about about Jesus, about um, death and resurrection, all of that, and applied that to, our, you know, each other, to our planet, to the way we arrange ourselves politically, yep. socially, whatever. Like, could you imagine the kind of wor- world we would be living in? Mm-hmm. like it gives me goosebumps just to think about like that is a kind of shalom picture i think even the biblical writers were thinking of yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's interesting a lot of american evangelical christianity is so centered around the imminent return of christ that mm-hmm. it when it coincides with like a coupling to political parties but also like in sort of unfettered mm-hmm. capitalism with like he's going to come back any minute. There won't be a generation for my kids. Like we need to take everything we can now for, uh, and it's like wow, actually yeah. overtly stated, like the Christianity as it is understood can lead to a stripping of the earth with the full mm-hmm. knowledge that it will leave nothing for our children because, well, it's all going to burn anyway. And then you yeah. get into the, oh. such a, it's like, but that's what I mean. It's such an unlearning in order to move mm-hmm. into like that relearning and that reorientation, which is, I think what's needed if we're going to burn yeah. the whole thing down, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so separated out too in that way. Cause then it's like, well, they're all we care about is people's souls. And we're not talking about their overall well being, mental health, like caring for the earth, you know, caring for our bodies. Like, how do we, all, all these things get so separated out then, you know, based on, but yeah. if you were to do what you're talking about, man, you would be talking mm. about those things. What does it look yeah. like? You're talk. It's more of a. It's a long view, right? Like, yeah, and uh, it's good news. Like, I yeah. I keep going back to this idea in the Gospel of Mark. The, um, the Great Commission in the Gospel of Mark says, "Go and preach the gospel to all creation." That's mm-hmm. how it's worded. It's literally worded all creation, mm-hmm. and I I love that picture. Yeah. It's like the good news is for everything, mm-hmm. not just people, not just the people that look like us. Yeah, you know, it's everything. <laughs> it's a transformation of this world, and I, I, I think I just I, I think my heart is to see people to catch a glimpse of that. I think that that message in itself is a universal message. Like the heart of many of the faiths in our world, that is that is the picture. You know, it's there's different ways to talk about the same thing, basically. Yeah, totally. And, and that's where I, you know, for myself, like one of the other things I really talk about when it comes to decolonizing is this idea of getting back to our roots, you know, uh, for, especially for those of us who are melanin challenged like myself, right. (laughs) Um, What is our, who are our ancestors? Who were they? Like before we were all white, we were, you know, Irish, Italian, French, you know, Russian, whatever, right? Um, We all have roots somewhere. And I think um, it's so important to get back to our roots. And for my, for myself, um, I have roots in, um, I have have Celtic roots. And so I've been really intrigued studying a lot of Celtic spirituality and just how the early Christianity that came through to the Celts was so adaptable and so like they took Christianity and they ran with it it completely 
like this this picture of the Christ totally resonated with uh, Celtic mysticism and spirituality. Yeah. And it's just such a, a universalist, like, I, I think Christianity at its very best is adaptable. And yeah. it sadly became co-opted and coerced by imperial powers. And it no longer carried that, um, that incredible universalist message with it. And I think that's where we, it really went off the rails. You know, that's in, in a lot of ways, that's when Christian, the true way of Jesus kind of, kind of died. I feel like you're reclaiming your roots, even with the fact that you're talking about, you know, the earth and like Celtic tradition is mm-hmm. so tied into, you know, the earth and even, mm-hmm. um, what book was that book that we were reading about Celtic rebirthing of God? Mm-hmm. And they were talking about um, John Philip Newell. John Philip. Newell. I love John. Yeah, Philip Newell. and so huge fan. Yeah. What does he What does he call the cathedral? It's like um, where they they were like basically worshiping outside, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. To me, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I've always felt um, closest to God through nature and being outside, mm-hmm. and so to me, I really connect with that as well. But it's cool. You're almost like mm-hmm. reclaiming your you know yeah. your history. Yeah, well, I'm like, I'm, I live in the Pacific Northwest and we have, you know, it's a real thing up here is um, the protection of our rainforests and our, our old growth trees. Yeah. You know, we have trees. Uh, um, I'll be moving to, um, um, to another part of the, uh, to the island. And there's, there's old growth trees there that are like 2,400 years old, Wow. you know, wow. and it's like, talk about like experiencing having a sacred moment when you see one of these trees and you're, yeah. you're standing next to it and it's like you know I to me I'm like could you imagine our our church what a what a gathering of people breaking bread together would look like under these trees like with these trees like having communion with the earth with living things that like go back like 2,000 plus years like yeah. what an incredible experience you know like that is, I think, something that I really was drawn to about Celtic spirituality was same, yeah. just seeing, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you cannot feel, like, I almost experienced some sort of rebirthing in that moment, you know, Absolutely. like, yeah, and so I think, I think there's so many ways, I, as I think of what church could look like, even like, um, you know, what, what practices in community could look like, uh, and I, I, that's something I've often, often imagined. I'm like, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it involves not being in a building. Maybe it involves standing on, you know, on holy ground, but realizing all ground is holy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the ground of being kind of thing. Yeah. I think there's an awakening right now mm-hmm. because a lot of this, the research and statisticians are saying there's like a dying of Christianity. So many people are leaving, but I actually think it's like an awakening and people are leaving perhaps like an Mm. unhealthy thing that isn't working, not just for them, but for the world anymore. And they're actually like waking up to a bigger, wider reality that it's almost there's like a deinstitutionalizing generally that's happening that comes with that decolonizing as well. And people are yeah. stepping into those kinds of spaces. Though it's quite disorienting to step out into the I was going to say, at all. first mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that, I would say. It's, it's kind of terrifying, yeah. actually. 
Maybe it's yeah. it is, and it's so unknown, right? I mean, it could feel very like almost woo woo kind of yeah like it's like is this some sort of new age thing blah 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 oh, yeah. people have all sorts of language to talk about it but you know at the very heart of it i don't think jesus was trying to come and start some new religion in his name of us believing the correct things about about him and <laughs> i think i think he was trying to emulate how to live you know i think he was like yeah. come and follow me yep <laughs> I think he literally says, him, "Come and follow me." I bet people thought he was pretty woo-woo. Also, <laughs> Good when point. he's like sure. talking Good to point. demons inside of people and, <laughs> yeah. and like healing crazy things, you know what I mean? I bet they were like, "This guy's freaking nuts." Yeah, and even the when he talks about demons and he's having these conversations with demons, it's like I think of the one, the one uh, demon possessed man who all the the demons ran into the pigs mm-hmm. and they drowned, but like they said that they were legion yeah well legion legion that's a very imperial term absolutely you know what kind of imperial demons Mm -hmm. were existing in that region and how destructive were they for the people there i mean that region they were even saying historically speaking some of those people were literally starving because they were being taxed up to 90 percent of all their all their all their crops their food everything they were they were being stripped of what was theirs and they were literally starving and Jesus is coming and removing those kind of demons, you know, the yep. demons that say they're legion and that they have power in this place. And he says, you know, you no longer have power. Mm. And that's a very like, Oh, I, there's just, I guess there's just so much there. Like there's the way that Jesus spoke truth to power like his very, very prophetic, I, you know, I'm, I'm from a charismatic background. So I, I talk uh, sometimes a lot about prophetic witness and about, um, you know, move of the spirit and all that. But I really think like, it's easy to, I think it's easy in the West to minimize how prophetic Jesus was in oh, calling yeah. truth oh, yeah. to power and yeah. just like be, saying some radical things like that. And, and if he's doing stuff like that, I mean, you can see why the Romans want him dead. He's a threat to Rome. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Well, and the symbolism mm-hmm. with which he used was a, a profound symbol, like prophetic symbolism. Because even to have mm-hmm. the, the, I read the Jewish people were being forced to have those pigs in order to feed the Roman armies, and so yeah, for a demon to be called legion, that then all the pigs, which are being forced to be bred to feed these Roman soldiers, mm-hmm. are the very thing that are the legion that runs off the it's like the symbolism of the way the author wrote that whole story even is yeah is, is a is the whole thing is a decolonizing yeah. prophetic story of um it is jesus turning the power upside down and i want people to read scripture like that you know what i mean i want i would love for people to capture glimpse catch a glimpse of how to how to interpret interpret these stories of Jesus in that way. And I think that's again where I go back to the indigenous authors, the black authors, the people who've really been under the boot of empire and have yeah. been speaking truth to power to even Christian power right. for so long. You know, and they're they 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 recognize this in the in in these stories. They they clearly get what's going on. Whereas the, those who are in the seat of power, I mean, we can't even we can't even fathom that that's what's going on in a lot of ways. We're blinded to the to that truth, you know. Yeah. Plus, yeah. well, the hilarious <laughs> irony is the people that are in power. The scriptures actually 
It's like the whole thing is is a subversion of empire and power, and yet the people in power are holding mm-hmm. it up, justifying their own actions, missing the irony yeah. of the entire reality of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's humorous if you look Quite at it. Quite literally if, holding it up. It is. If, if it wasn't <laughs> devastating, it would be hilarious. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not hilarious, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe it was a TV show. It'd be like a episode of The Office, and it was Michael Scott. It'd be super funny. But yeah, that's true. It's not. Yeah. It's just our actual world <laughs> oh yeah. um one of your i was just flipping through your page and one of the quotes that you posted is this desmond tutu quote if you're neutral in situations of injustice you've chosen the side of the oppressor mm-hmm. is there because i do think it's brave what you're doing um because you're standing up against power and that's threatening to people Right. Mm. So is there a way that you could speak into people who are feeling that fear of like, I want to start being more bold and and sharing this stuff or um, I want to stand up and speak truth to power. But how do I do that? Any kind of Mm. something? What what helps you? (laughs) Um, First of all, I just, again, want to acknowledge how hard that is. It's not comfortable. Um, And and to kind of go on that further, I don't think we're, I don't think we can necessarily do that alone. Um, I think we really need community support around us. I mean, I look at Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr. and the entire movement, you know, he, he happened to be the face of a movement, but it wasn't just him, right? It was, you've got, you know, so many people that came before him and so many people who've come after and, and the entire civil rights movement. I mean, you think of the people that marched on Selma and the others, like it wasn't, it wasn't just Dr. King. And I think it's important to find community and, you know, and I want to acknowledge this too. I don't think it's always safe to speak out. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to speak out Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean we're supposed to remain neutral, but I think it also needs to be calculated. You know, I I think Dr. King, I think um, even the way Jesus went and flipped tables in the temple it was calculated yeah he didn't just see it and go and flip these tables you know the the outer the outer chamber of the temple in in um in that day and age was called the the cha- the the chamber of the the gentiles and essentially the romans set themselves up on this outer chamber of the temple and were taxing poor jewish pre- peasants like through the roof so that they could even go and you know, do sacrifices and, and, and be part of the temple system. And it was an oppressive system for these, these Jewish peasants and the Romans were taking, the Romans were taking advantage of it. And it's sad because Roman Christianity, imperialized Christianity, demonized Jewish people and, and were like, Oh, it's Jesus is flipping the temple. And he's, you know, he's saying he's rejecting Judaism or whatever. And that's not really what was going on. He was rejecting the imperialism that had infiltrated itself into the into the Roman or into the temple system and was causing harm to his people because he Jesus was Jewish and so um, and Jesus is calculated in the way he goes in response to that he doesn't just immediately go and flip tables when he sees the injustice that's happening you know he walks by it he 
he does some teaching he curses a fig tree in between there and it has this whole analogy about having faith in god and like saying like you know if you say to this mountain and cast yourself into the sea it will be done to you of course the mountain he's looking at is the temple mount <laughs> he's standing right right there and and then he goes like I, I believe it's the next day and he actually does this symbolic act of flipping these tables and um Anyways, I think we can use Jesus as an example. We can use so many others as an example. And I, I think it, it needs to be calculated. And yet at the same time, I think, um, yeah, we, we can't remain neutral in these, in these situations. And we do need to speak up. And, and time is of, a, of the essence. So I am fully aware of that reality. And yet I think the importance of also waiting in a sense of like knowing when the right time is and i think i think in a lot of ways we are in this period of waiting like i think um the time that we know time is of the essence and yet i think and we're seeing a lot of people in this space of like whether questioning whether or not they should leave the church whether or not they should leave ministry and i think we're just on the almost at the tipping point where we are going to see a large group of people come together and um, I mean, that's my hope. At least I hope that we will see people come together in community um, and actually transform our world for the better. I, I really, truly hope that. Me too. Same. And Same. I, I, I believe that as well. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the, the work that we're giving ourselves to as well. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Um, we are asking everyone that we have had conversations with in this season this question, but what, if anything, is giving you hope right now? Mm. I think one of the biggest things that I have hope for right now is the next generation of young people. I think we have a, a generation of young people who are so attuned to, to justice, so yeah. attuned to the things going on and they have to be i mean our, our our ecological crisis is like it's uh they they are concerned about the future and rightfully so and i i think um that i grieve for that uh for that generation and yet at the same time i think there's something really special about about young people today who are passionate about seeing those who've been systematically oppressed who've been neglected who've been ignored and and a lot of these young people are centering them and their voices and i i really think we're gonna our world is not gonna look the same 20 yeah. years from now it's gonna be a vastly different world oh yeah um and i think that that gives me a lot of hope um it's scary <laughs> it's scary mm -hmm. as hell but i i have so much hope in that and i i believe that good things are coming i believe um yeah, I, I believe there's a lot of just incredible reimagining, rebirthing, so to speak, mm. that's going to be happening in the coming decades. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> where can people find your work? Right now, I'm on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I have an old blog um, currently that is, it's still attached to the link in my profile, but I am 
I'm, I'm still kind of in this transitional stage. And as I'm transitioning, I, I'm, I'm really focusing on transitioning well in my church space. And um, as I'm doing that, I'm going to be really thinking about what the future of the page looks like, how to expand, um, you know, whether or not I create a website or um, other platforms to be present on. Um, those will be those are going to be things I'm going to be really actively thinking about in the coming months. So, but yeah, right now it's just Instagram and Twitter. I love it. And it's, um, the decolonizing Christian. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, we're cheering yeah. you on. Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining mm -hmm. us. Thanks for the work Thank that you're you doing. So much. Thanks for the ways that you are, um, lifting up other people's voices and just highlighting I mean, really helping people at least enter in that first stage, right? Of the mm -hmm. unlearning, relearning, hopefully mm -hmm. rebirthing, you know? Yes. Appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly honored. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com for coaching, resources, and events. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.